Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, May 27th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. New details in the latest mass shooting to rock the nation. Nine people are dead after an employee opened fire in San Jose, California. Authorities are investigating his motives. The mother of fallen officer Brian Sicknick imploring Republican senators to vote yes as those senators prepare to kill a 9-11-style commission on the Capitol insurrection. And President Joe Biden calling for an investigation into the origins of the coronavirus pandemic as states see success with vaccination incentives. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on another mass shooting in America. Nine people now confirmed dead after a deadly rampage in Northern California. Officials say the shooter knew many of the victims. Andrea Linares has the latest. A community in San Jose, California, reeling from a mass shooting, leaving nine people dead. When they said goodbye to their, their spouse this morning, their husband, they didn't mean goodbye forever. The latest victims, all men ranging in age from 29 to 63 years old, killed as they went about their workday at the Valley Transportation Authority rail yard. This is a horrific event, and we've got a lot of families and a lot of friends in pain right now. It was just after 6.30 a.m. local time when the suspect, identified as 57-year-old Samuel Cassidy, opened fire where he worked. Right as train service for the morning commute was getting underway, and just as some 80 employees were reportedly holding a union meeting, first responders flooding the scene. While the shots are still being fired, our teams with San Jose PD are still are entering the building. Officers confronted the suspect, who then took his own life. Also on the scene, the bomb squad. We actually had an explosives dog on scene, which detected to some type of explosives material at the crime scene itself. And just before the deadly shooting, surveillance footage shows the suspect leaving his home and setting the house on fire. Cecilia Nelms, who was married to the shooter for 10 years, says he was known to have a temper and often spoke angrily about his job and colleagues. He would say things, you know, but you don't believe it, you know, because you know him, I knew him. Officials say at least some of the victims worked with the shooter, but it's unclear if any of them were targeted. It's clear uh, the victims and all the colleagues there knew the shooter well. According to the Gun Violence Archive, this is one of the more than 200 mass shootings in the United States this year. It just feels like this happens over and over and over again. Rinse and repeat. What the hell is going on in the United States of America? While the Biden administration receives additional details on the latest mass shooting in America, President Joe Biden released a statement saying, quote, enough. And Vice President Kamala Harris took to Twitter. She made a call to Congress to act and end the epidemic of gun violence. The president has also ordered flags to be flown at half staff across the nation. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report and for more on America's rising tide of gun violence. We're joined by former Congresswoman Debbie McCarcel Powell. She's now a senior advisor for the Gun Control Advocacy Organization, Giffords. Thank you so much for your time, Ms. Powell. 
Thank you so much, Carolina, for covering such an important issue facing us in America today. It is, it is. And according to some sources, we have seen at least 17 mass shootings in the U.S. in only one week. What was your reaction to this latest incident? Um, I can tell you personally, I've also lost a family member, my father, to gun violence. And uh, every time that we hear of these senseless, tragic shootings, it just... It's heartbreaking, it's frustrating. Uh, we need to demand more from uh, our elected officials in Washington, D.C. There are several laws that we can enact immediately, including the universal background check, that will prevent more of this violence that we're seeing this in, in, in America. We cannot accept this culture of guns. Uh, Americans seem to love their guns more than they love human life. We cannot continue to accept that this is our new normal. There's so much that we can do. Um, listening to the wife that you that you just showed, you know, it would have been incredible if she could have actually reported those comments from her husband to someone. There are laws that could, if you bring um, these instances to court, they could have removed arms from this man's residence. There's more that needs to be investigated, but. Uh, sitting back watching and not doing anything is just not uh, what we need to do at this point. We need to pass federal laws that are going to prevent this, these shootings. And what do you think is behind the spike in gun violence? Could it be related to the pandemic? Yes, actually, what we've seen is that the, the sale, gun sales have shot up just in the past few months. We're seeing more gun sales in 2021 that we saw at the same time last year. And there's a lot of anxiety in America. There, There's much more division, as you know, especially after what we saw on January 6th, that attack on the Capitol. We saw also a rise in uh, gun sales after that incident. The people that have been um, depressed because of the pandemic, feeling a lot of anxiety also could be another reason. Um, and that's why we need to be vigilant, because as also we know, mo most of the suicides in America are done through uh, guns. Uh, they're committed through guns. You know, there are instances of domestic violence where one of the partners uh, loses it, gets a gun and um, commits another act of violence. So we see the violence spiking up in this country, all over our country. Another thing that we need to do is ensure that we can, um, that the Senate confirms David Chipman as the new director of the ATF. We have not seen a director leading that agency since 2013. And that agency is tasked with ensuring that they track and prevent gun violence in America. And as you just mentioned, the president nominated David Chipman to lead the ATF. That's the federal agency in charge of regulating the gun industry. How critical would it be to have this role filled? Well, he has more than 20 years of experience. He's someone that has been investigating gun trafficking. You know, we know that, for example, California has very strict gun laws but we can't um, really be vigilant on the guns that are being brought in to states like California from other states. That's why it's so important to have a federal agency at the federal level ensuring that they're investigating the way that guns are being trafficked. We also need to ensure that we have a director leading that agency that can enforce current laws that we already have in place to prevent gun violence. Um, we have to, it, this is gonna be a hands-all approach, uh, Carolina. We need to, 
make sure that the Senate passes the universal background check bill, that the Senate confirms David Chipman. This is not a political issue anymore. This is an issue of safety, of safety for our communities, for our children. We cannot continue to live this way. Now let's talk about what Congress can do. President Joe Biden is urging Congress to take immediate action on gun legislation. The House already passed two bills, but they're currently waiting for a vote in the Senate. What's the status of this measure? And is it time for President Biden to take executive action? Um, I think that President Biden is just putting pressure on the Senate. He has had multiple conversations with senators to show them and demonstrate how important this issue is. He did sign some executive actions that are going to put in place certain measures, for example, making sure that we can regulate these ghost guns that people are purchasing online, different parts, so that they can build their own guns without then, uh, without conducting background checks, without being registered. Um, so he's putting in place certain executive actions. As it pertains to the universal background check bill, uh, Carolina, let's remember that more than 86% of Americans support these measures in florida in a, in a state which is uh, very divided in many issues when it comes to passing universal background check bills we are united whether you're a republican a democrat or an independent people here understand the pain and the trauma that gun violence leaves in um, after these mass shootings so uh, let's remember and let's remind our senators that this is an american issue this is an issue that is leaving much trauma behind we now have nine families in San Jose that are left with the pain and the trauma of losing a loved one to a senseless shooting. We can't prevent. One law is not going to prevent every shooting, but there are different things that we can do. Making sure that we appoint David Chipman as the next director of the ATF, passing a universal background check bill, speaking up. If you see a family member, a friend, a loved one, who is tense, angry, who is saying things that you may think they don't mean, please report it to, to the agencies, to police uh, and to the law enforcement. Let's all work together to prevent the next shooting. We can't live this way. I continue to say that we're in the United States of America. Let's create a country that is safer for our families. And as you put it, it's an America's issue. And thank you so much for your time today. Former Congresswoman and Gifford Senior Advisor Debbie Mukarso powell Thanks again. Thank you. And in other major news we're following today, the mother of Officer Brian Sicknick will meet with 15 GOP senators today ahead of an expected vote on the January 6th commission. Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn and D.C. Officer Michael Fanone, who were there during the riot, will also be in the meeting. Sicknick was the Capitol Police Officer who died the day after the insurrection. Gladys Sicknick says her son and his fellow officers fought for hours as the mob tried to take over the Capitol building. She says not having a commission to look at what happened is a slap in the face. Now, a medical examiner ruled Officer Sicknick died of strokes from natural causes. Meanwhile, that vote for a 9-11 style commission could be voted down in the Senate as early as today. Democrats have been pressing for a bipartisan review of the attack, but Republicans worry that it will be used as a weapon against them in the 2022 elections. Democrats would need at least 10 Republicans to join them to overcome a potential GOP filibuster of legislation creating that commission.
again, pressure is mounting the Biden administration given the U.S. intelligence community 90 days to further investigate the origins of the outbreak. Meanwhile, more and more states are reaching the administration's vaccination goal before the July 4th deadline. Lorraine Casares has more details. The number of states reaching Biden's vaccination goal ahead of schedule growing. Pennsylvania, the latest to get 70% of adults vaccinated with at least one dose, joining Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Connecticut, which loosened its COVID-19 restrictions a week ago. I have spent the last year plus saying stay safe, stay home. And today I'm telling you, Get out of the damn house, come enjoy Hartford, get on a plane, visit a restaurant, go to um, an amazing hotel. This is a time where Connecticut is open, ready for business, and we want you coming back. As the push for vaccination continues, new data on natural occurring antibodies, a study showing about 90% of people who recover from COVID-19 have antibodies for about 10 months. LabCorp researchers studied almost 30,000 patients for up to 300 days, testing participants for two coronavirus antibodies, finding they didn't decrease much in that time. And for those who have already recovered from COVID, some health experts saying getting the vaccine acts like a booster shot, supercharging antibodies with protection lasting much longer. Meanwhile, growing urgency to investigate the origins of the outbreak after a U.S. intelligence report found several researchers at China's Wuhan Institute of Virology got sick with COVID-like symptoms and had to be hospitalized in November of 2019, before China's first reported case in December. The lab and China's government strongly denying the report. If it did come out of a lab, that would be a first for the world, is that right? I believe so. The president now giving the intelligence community a deadline of August 24th to further investigate the matter and report back. Despite the lab leak theory gaining traction, Dr. Anthony Fauci and the director of the National Institutes of Health still leaning towards the theory of natural infection. still believe that the most likely uh, scenario is that this was a natural occurrence. But no one knows that 100% for sure. I think the most likely reason, uh, mechanism by which SARS-CoV-2 arose was a natural process of transfer from an animal to humans. But it is certainly possible that other options might have occurred, including a possible lab leak. We just don't have evidence to be able to say what that likelihood is. And the White House is not yet committing to making that new intelligence report that is due in August public yet. We will have to wait and see what the developments are on that front. But meanwhile, China is responding to Biden's announcement of a more in-depth report saying that the United States is politicizing the situation, ignoring facts and science. So far, China has been criticized by many scientists and by many countries for not alerting the international community early enough about the outbreak and also trying to punish doctors in Wuhan that tried to do so. Back to you, Carolina.
Thank you, Lorraine, for that live report. And children may have been overlooked during the pandemic because they were getting mild cases of COVID-19. But the National Institutes of Health say kids are feeling the effects in a different way, and it could have a lasting impact on them. Experts are worried about the amount of time children have spent at home away from other children. Meanwhile, the National Institutes of Health is currently developing strategies so schools can stay open even in a pandemic so that in-person learning can continue in any scenario. Meanwhile, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits dropped last week to 406,000, a new pandemic low, and more evidence that the job market is recovering as the virus waves and the economy reopens. The report from the Labor Department showed that applications have fallen by more than half since January. The decline in applications reflects a swift in rebound in the economic growth. Now to New York, where a housing crisis continues for thousands who are still having a hard time to pay the rent. Ana de Mendoza has the latest on assistance that's aiming to make a difference. The economic blow is still being felt in what formerly was the epicenter of the pandemic. I used to work in cleaning. Now she owes almost $13,000 in rent. Like six or seven months, but there are still people who owe more. Catalina Calderón is also $7,000 behind rent. Yes, we got some papers to ask for help, but my husband said, no, they're going to help us? What for? And not everyone is aware that the $2.7 billion of economic assistance would help cover 12 months of past due rent, three months of anticipated rent, and 12 months of service debt. The household has to be earning less than 80% of the average salary. People have to fill out the forms. Financial assistance is also available to undocumented immigrants in New York who only have to prove their identity. It could be a passport from their home country. It could be an EBT card, a birth certificate or a baptism certificate. The average debt in the state is estimated to be $6,000. Since the beginning of the pandemic, our community was at the epicenter, so the consequences are still very much alive in the community. Around 200,000 people could benefit from the assistance. Reported by Blanca Rosa Vilches in New York City. Ana de Mendoza, U News. Thank you, Anna. And ranchers and farm workers in California say they have been discriminated against for years, a situation that extends to the way they are treated by banks and other lenders. Now, as Jonathan Mejia explains, that could change. Latino and other minority ranchers and farm owners have complained of discrimination, especially when applying for loans and support from the federal government. The countryside has not been the same for white people who plant corn and soy and all that stuff as it is for the little guy who plants pumpkins and green beans and strawberries and stuff like that. This farmer, who grows organic fruits and vegetables in Northern California, adds that these practices have caused a lot of damage. It has led to them losing their farms and equipment. 
Now, the federal government plans to make up for the damage caused by this discrimination against these farmers by eliminating their debts as part of the relief package known as the American Rescue Plan. Well, if uh, a Hispanic farmer has... The Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, explains that if, for example, a Latino farmer got a loan from the department to buy a ranch or farm equipment, the federal government will forgive that debt. And if the person obtained credit with a private bank and that loan was backed by the Department of Agriculture, it will also be paid off. Javier Zamorra says that this is a blessing. Now they realize that we are essential because if we don't produce, how do they eat? According to the Agriculture Secretary, they first will pay the loans that these farmers have directly with the Department of Agriculture, then they will pay the loans to private banks. Reported by Juan Carlos Gonzalez in Fillmore, California, Jonathan Mejia, U News. More of U News after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. The U.S. Navy is expected to send an aircraft carrier to the Middle East to help U.S. forces as they get ready to come home from Afghanistan. According to two U.S. defense officials, the U.S. Ronald Reagan will begin making its way there in the next several days. The scheduled deadline for U.S. troops to leave Afghanistan is September 11th. Vice President Kamala Harris is holding a meeting today with top leaders in the private sector as part of her efforts to address the root causes of migration from the Northern Triangle region, which includes Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador. Edwin Piti has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin. That's right, Carolina. Vice President Kamala Harris is scheduled to visit Central America in about two weeks to take on the task given to her by President Biden leading efforts to address the root causes of migration from what is known as the Northern Triangle, countries that you mentioned, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. But Harris isn't waiting until she gets there. She will meet today and this afternoon with top officials from 12 companies to discuss steps to improve conditions and lower migration from the region. I just spoke to Sabrina Sain, Deputy Press Secretary to Vice President Harris, and she explained to us that this call to action aims to generate new commitments in six focus areas, such as reform agenda for transparency, digital and financial inclusion, food security, education, and workforce development, as also public health access. Take a listen. You know, people don't want to leave their homes. People want to stay, um, you know, and be close to their parents, be close to their grandparents, um, being close to their kids. And so this is a way to provide, I think, more economic opportunities for those families, um, for people looking for work, and also to create, um, I think, long -term, a long-term infrastructure and um, economic opportunities for so many people. Among the companies that will participate in the meeting are Microsoft, Mastercard, yogurt maker Shobani, food giant Nestle, financial companies such as Bancolombia and Davivienda, as well as the language learning website Duolingo. 
The 12 companies will announce measures to support efforts pushed by the White House. For example, Microsoft has agreed to expand Internet access to as many as 3 million people in the region by July of 2022. And Nestle plans to begin buying some of its coffee from El Salvador and Honduras with a minimum regional investment of $150 million by 2025. Despite the opportunities that are coming to the region, U.S. officials see corruption as a major contributor to the migrant exodus along with gang violence and natural disasters. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Carolina. Thank you for that report, Edwin Pitti, live from Washington, D.C. And meanwhile, along the border in Roma, Texas, migrants continue to face many dangers as they make their way for a new life here in the U.S. Andrew Peña has the story of one of those migrants who, despite having many health complications, was willing to make the dangerous crossing. In the middle of the night, boats packed with migrants continue to cross the Rio Grande to Roma, Texas. There we met this Honduran migrant who has been deported from the U.S. on several occasions but who trust that today she will be given the opportunity to stay. I have tried several times and they always deport me. How many times? Five times already. Mejia came back across with her two children as she has done the last five times. Her daughter has already lost her shoes, she says. She wants to be reunited with her son who lives in Texas. But even though she has told the U.S. immigration agents this before, each time she has been turned away. In June, I tried three times because I was told people were passing, but nothing. Two months ago, I tried again and nothing. The same. Then a month ago, I tried again, but they deported me. They locked me up to suffer, and they don't let me in. Mejia's story is similar to many other migrants who are seeking a better future for their children, although there are cases where they do it because of medical conditions. She lives with one lung and has a heart murmur, and my idea is for her to have surgery. Reported by Oscar Gomez, Andrew Pena, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.